Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast brought to you by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you check out that website if you haven't before. I know there's a lot of people out there that listen to the podcast, but might not check out the website. I do honestly believe it's your one-stop shop for all things Steelers, and we are going to have really all the latest news for you right there in one spot all offseason. We're not going anywhere, as well as our audio podcast. If you're listening to this, you've obviously found it. But make sure that in case you're listening on Twitter or maybe on the Megaphone player on the website, go to wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. We have a lot to talk about in this show and a lot of questions to answer in the second half with the mailbag segment because it is Wednesday, folks. Happy hump day. We are halfway there to the weekend. Unfortunately, not much to look forward to as it pertains to football, at least for me. The Steelers are done, therefore my interest definitely wanes. Uh, But nonetheless, we do have some news to discuss since the last time I spoke with you on Monday. Let's get to that right away. First, Pat Frymuth. Remember on Monday we were talking about how the Steelers' talented second-year tight end suffered a knee injury. Mike Tomlin said after the game against the Browns that he was going to have to be evaluated. That was it. Thankfully, Mike Tomlin spoke with the media at the end-of-the-season press conference on Monday, and prior to that, several beat writers were given the information that Fryermuth's knee injury was not deemed to be serious, not needing surgery, Tomlin clarified in his press conference saying that he had a sprained MCL. I can't stress how important this is and how big of news this is. And I actually had someone on Twitter because I even wrote I wrote the article. I even tweeted out. I think I quote tweeted when the news broke and said, what great freaking news. And they're like, well, what's the big deal? Like, so what if he has to have knee surgery? I don't think people understand. I tried to explain it on Monday, but I don't think people fully understand that if he would have torn his ACL in week 18, it would have set him back so far that he would have potentially started next season on injured reserve. He could have potentially missed the first, I don't know, four or five games. Think back to when Heath Miller had a knee injury at the very end of the season. He was on injured reserve to start the year, and I don't think he came back until almost week four, week five of that season. So this is big. Now Pat Fryermuth can rest. He'll need a couple months to get his knee feels back to normal, but he's able to rehab that injury. He's able to rest. He's able to continue to work out. He's going to be able to work out with his teammates. That's huge. Absolutely huge that Pat Farmer's injury was not serious. So that was news. The big news for people that love college football, I am not one of them, is that the national championship game was over on Monday, and it was a it was a blowout of all blowouts. People say all the time, Jeff, how can you not like college football? And I always answer the same way. It's too watered down. There's so many teams, and really when you boil things down, it only comes down to a handful. So let's say that I were to root for my home state, the West Virginia Mountaineers. Okay, they're in the Big 12 now. They have zero chance of making it to the playoffs, the tournament, the national championship. They're just hoping to be bowl eligible. Now, yeah, if I'm a diehard Mountaineer fan, I'm going to watch no matter what. But another reason why I don't like college football is not because, you know, West Virginia has no shot. It's because sometimes these games are just, they're, they're so non, not competitive, it's ridiculous. 
The fact that the national championship game between Georgia and TCU was the final score of Georgia 65 and TCU to 7, I woke up on Tuesday morning and thought it was a joke. I checked Twitter because when I went to bed or I stopped paying attention, I didn't watch a minute of this game. I knew what was going to happen. Georgia was going to win. I didn't know it was going to be this, but I knew Georgia was going to win. I think when I went to bed, it was 17-7, Georgia, around there. I thought it was a joke. Someone posted an image on Twitter, and on the image it said 65. I was like, that is a joke. There is no way that was the final score. So I checked my ESPN app. I'll be damned. There it was, 65-7. to What a dud. What a dud of a game for a national championship. The only other news of note with the Steelers heading into this Wednesday podcast is the fact that the Steelers have started to sign some players to what's called reserve or future contracts. Now, in case you don't know, these are the players that might be deemed free agents, and once a team season is over, they can start adding to their off-season roster. Everyone's so enamored with the 53-man roster, but the off-season roster balloons all the way up to 90 players. So the Steelers can then say, we're going to start adding players. So here are some of the players that were added. They, they signed 10 players today, not all from the Steelers practice squad, but some did spend time there. Uh, wide receiver, Jamarcus Bradley. Defensive back, Duke Dawson. What a great name. Uh, guard, William Dunkel. Linebacker, Amiki Eggbule. I butchered that one. Running back, Jason Huntley. Center, Ryan McCollum. He spent time with the Steelers this season. Defensive back, Scott Nelson. Running back, Master Teague. Uh, he was with the Steelers last preseason. Running back Cody White. That's a running back. That's I think Cody White's a wide receiver. I think that's a misprint. And then tight end Rodney Williams. So those are some of the players. And this is why I said you got to pay attention to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We're going to have all of this news for you right there in one place in case you're curious about the free agents. Like, who are all the free agents the Steelers have this year? That article will be live at 7 a.m. Eastern time on that website today. You'll get the unrestricted free agents, the restricted free agents, and the exclusive rights free agents. Uh, It outlines everything from when the new league year starts, the definitions of all those free agents. Check it out. All right, so we have to do this one last time, the DEFCON levels. This is the last time that we are going to be doing the DEFCON levels until the Steelers play football again, and that's if I remember it, but I think I will. The DEFCON levels, let's go over it. In case you forget, in case you have not paid attention all season, one is bad, five is good. One, awful, five, fantastic. That's the range. That's what you have to remember as we go through this. On the offensive side of the ball, nothing changed. The quarterback, still a four. While Kenny Pickett, I said this on my Winners and Losers podcast on Monday, Kenny Pickett showed checked a big box for me where he didn't have to wait until the final drive to start to turn it on. But he still missed a lot of receivers. He still was a little inaccurate, a little erratic early in the game. He did settle down. He did settle in, and he performed well. But I'm going to keep him at a four. Never earned that five just yet. Maybe next year, let's hope he does. Wide receivers and tight ends have been at a five, and they stay at a five. Why would I move these players from a five? Yes, some are going to say, well, Deontay Johnson had a drop. Okay, he had a drop. Like, he is a human. Sometimes humans do make mistakes. And some humans make more mistakes than others. I understand that. But when Connor Hayward comes in and plays the way he did in lieu of Pat Fryermuth, Zach Gentry had a big catch. When you think about George Pickens doing damage on the in this game, I mean, it was a tremendous. I love the way they worked. I have met a five, staying at a five. The running backs, they stay at a five as well. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, what a one-two punch with these two guys. A tremendous running back duo. I have no gripes about them whatsoever. Now, the offensive line, 
The offensive line, I think I had him at a four last week. I'm bumping him up to a five this week. I said I wanted to see him improve in their pass protection. And yes, they gave up a sack to Miles Garrett, which makes you want to puke. But still, they did a great job. Only gave up two quarterback hits. Ran the ball well. Opened up the holes. I was so impressed with this offensive line and the progression they made throughout the season. Just just tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. The O-line's a five. So when you look back at where they ended the season, I mean, think back to earlier in the season when I started doing these DEFCON levels. We were talking about twos and threes. Now it's a four and all fives. That's where they finished this season. I was really happy with the offense, obviously. On the defensive side, let's go to the defensive backs. They had a four. Going to keep them there. They had two interceptions. Didn't give up much yardage. I really was trying to find a way to give them a five, but I just couldn't do it. I felt like this, this group was just still missing one piece of the puzzle, one of those dominant cornerbacks. They just never had it this year, and that's okay. They did great job. 20 interceptions this season. I think that tied for the league lead when all was said and done. Just great ball hawking. Love to see it. Inside linebacker. Robert Spillane came, comes out of nowhere. He's now playing every single snap. De- Devin Bush played five snaps, I believe, the last two games of the regular season. Regardless of who it was, it was improved. We saw Mark Robinson a little bit against Cleveland, but it was mainly Miles Jack and Robert Spillane. I'm not sure if that's, well, I know. That's not the long-term answer, but still, heading in the right direction, I've got that as a four. The outside linebackers and the pass rush, come on now. Seven sacks, ten quarterback hits, that's a four. Uh, I just, if this team in the offseason could find someone, anyone, whether it's a free agent, whether it's a rookie, that could be a third rotational piece, and I'll even throw a name out there. If Jadavian Clowney said, I'll come in, but I'm, I'm not, I know I'm not going to start. You know, we're not trying to get Melvin Ingram 2.0 here, but he's okay with his role. What a piece that could be. Now, all of a sudden, you have that rotation. You have that extra piece. And I'm not saying that's what I want to happen. That's just an example. That could really put this from a 4 to a 5, but I have him staying at a 4. And the same with the defensive line. They are a 4. I love what Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi can do when they don't have to stay on the field forever. Just a really good group. I'd love to see Larry O get signed. We'll talk about that throughout the offseason, I'm sure. Now, the special teams. I have him going up 1 to a 4. Chris Boswell made all his kicks. Presley Harvin did a good job punting the football. Coverage units were solid. Nothing to gripe about there. So on the defensive side, all fours. And again, even there was a time where we're talking about twos and threes. And now that they're all fours, that shows a dramatic improvement there. So there's your DEFCON levels. The last time we're going to do that for a while. That's kind of sad. Uh, But nonetheless, season's over. What am I going to do? You know, there's no DEFCON levels to update when the Steelers are vacationing around the globe uh, or going to the Pro Bowl. So, okay. Let's talk about the title of this podcast, and that is, Is the Steelers Rebuild Ahead of Schedule? I It's something I teased a couple shows ago. Is the rebuild ahead of schedule? Tough question to answer. And I'm not sure if we're going to get that answer anytime soon, but we're going to try to decipher this here. I said it all along. I've said it all offseason that it's two to three years. Two to three years rebuild. This was year one. They just concluded year one. Now, This is all about contending for a Super Bowl. I want to make that crystal clear. When I say that the rebuild is two to three years, 
It's not just two to three years that they win more than they lose. They did that this year. It's not just two to three years until they make the playoffs. It's two to three years until they are a viable contender for the Super Bowl. That is something we have to keep in mind here. So year one is done, and everyone is looking, especially on the offensive side of the ball, at how promising this group is. They're so young. We've got to break it down. Now, offense, quarterback, you feel like you got the guy, right? I mean, Kenny Pickett, at least going into this upcoming season, is the guy. So you build around that guy. They have an offensive line. Said it before, I'll say it again. Do they need to upgrade? Ah, Need? No. They proved it this year they don't need to upgrade. That is a want position. They want to upgrade, and they should upgrade, but it's not a need. Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole, James Daniels, and Chuksa Korfor proved that they, when they all are together, all are healthy, they can get the job done. So if the Steelers want to upgrade, they absolutely can, but there's a promising group right there. Running backs and tight ends just talked about him. Yeah, you might lose a player in free agency like Zach Gentry, but you've got Connor Hayward waiting in the wings. You might lose a Derek Watt. Kind of feels like he's expendable at this point, or if they're going to bring him back, not at the price tag that he currently has. Wide receiver is a position the Steelers need to target. They need to get a wide receiver three for sure. Is that Calvin Austin the third? It's easy to say that he is, but no one's seen it. We haven't seen him. So... The other issue outside of the players is the play caller. Are they going to keep Matt Canada? No one knows. He's still the coach as of right now. Mike Tomlin did say on Monday that they're going to take their time. They're not going to rush through this. He said We're, a lot of other teams make these knee-jerk reactions. That is not what the Steelers do. So on offense, I got to think that this rebuild is ahead of schedule. That maybe even next year, when you look at salary cap space, when you look at draft capital, if they hit on a couple spots, they could be a very, very good offense in 2023. And when I say a very good offense and I say the rebuild is ahead of schedule, I'm saying that they could be considered a top 10 offense in the NFL. And if you have a top 10 offense in the NFL, you can win a lot of football games and you can vie for a championship. Now on the defensive side, that's a little different. You look at the defensive backs, you've got like you know, Cam Sutton, free agent, Terrell Edmonds, free agent, DeMonte KZ, free agent. Now, all of a sudden, you're thinking, yikes. Like, what? Yes, they have cap space, and yes, they have draft capital, but that's a lot of players that are going to be free agents. You look at the inside linebacker position, Devin Bush, free agent, Robert Spillane, free agent, Mark Robinson, unproven, Miles Jack, does he still have it? You look at outside linebacker, love the starting tandem of Watt and Highsmith, but what about behind him? Malik Reed, free agent. Jameer Jones, I think he's exclusive rights free agent. He'll likely be back if they want him back. Look at the defensive line, Cam Hayward. Yeah, big cap hit next year. Larry Ogunjobi, free agent. Y'all see what's going on here. On the offensive side, they're ahead of schedule. On the defensive side, they're not. They are not. This is the problem. And I talked about this in the past, that the Steelers have this ebb and flow in the draft, and this is under Kevin Colbert, not under Omar Khan and Andy Weedle, so I have to preface that. We don't know what this is going to look like. But when you talk about the ebb and flow, they have, okay, last season was predominantly offense, then this season you would think is going to be predominantly defense, when instead of having a more balanced approach, yes, they have three picks very high in the draft this year, 
What do they do with them? I'm going to be very interested to see. Unless they hit on some defensive pieces, it might be the defense that keeps this rebuild from being accelerated. And what I mean by that is when you think about some of the players that I mentioned being gone and then maybe not being able to fill those spots right away, now you're looking at an offense that might be ahead of schedule and a defense that is not, if if not on schedule, they might still be on that two- to three-year plan or a little bit behind. That's a problem. That is the problem. So in two- to three-year schedule, that rebuild schedule, offense is ahead, defense might be behind the curve. And that is something to keep an eye on as the offseason progresses and we get closer to the new league year. All right, when we come back in the second half, you all had a lot of questions, and I'm going to do my damnedest to answer every single one of them. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Steeler fans, welcome back. It is Wednesday, second half of the show. That means that it is time for the mailbag segment. In case you didn't know, the mailbag segment, if you want to participate, it is simple. Follow me on Twitter. Actually, you know, like I said all the time, you don't have to follow me. Just find my account at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Every Tuesday morning, I put out a tweet, and I use a funny gif. I've been using, I use the movie Tommy Boy, which is one of my favorite movies. I use the Tommy Boy gif, and y'all responded. I think I had like 32, 31, around there, questions. And I, I kind of knew this was happening when the season ended. So we're going to get through these. A lot of people ask a lot of questions. Let's get it started with Southside Doc. Doc M. He asked, what underrated or less talked about players played key support roles throughout the season? Who has the potential developed into these roles? All right. When I think of support roles, I'm thinking about someone that participates but is not considered a main key cog to whatever unit you're speaking of. Someone like Connor Hayward would be a great example. He participated. He made some big plays. I would expect his role to expand next season. Jalen Warren could maybe even fall into this category. Everyone knows his name. Maybe he's not underrated, but I think he'll be utilized more in his second year in the National Football League. On the defensive side of the ball, you think about uh, some players that like DeMarvin Leal comes to mind. He played a lot more in the second half when he came off of injured reserve, and he started to have a more significant role. Maybe underrated, I think his role is going to expand. Uh, so those are some of the names when you think about maybe Mark Robinson. I, he didn't play a ton. And so when you said, you know, they had a support role, I don't even know if I'd call it a support role for Mark Robinson. But those are four players right there that I would look to have a big jump next season. Jalen Warren. Connor Hayward, DeMarvin Leal, and Mark Robinson. Keep your eye on those guys. Brian Haynes asked several. He said, TJ and Alex or Debo and Woodley, which will be a deadlier combo by the end of their careers. I got to think that if they keep Alex Highsmith around, it'll be TJ and Alex. And it's for one reason. Lamar Woodley's career was just too short. You know, everyone talked about his lack of conditioning. It was that hamstring injury that seemed to hamper him. And he was never able to get back. And eventually he was cut and he went to, I think, Arizona. 
Of course, he went to Arizona, Pittsburgh West. But I'll go with TJ and Alex. If they, I mean, Alex Highsmith had 14 and a half sacks this season, folks. That's insane. So if those two can stay together, it would, it would be them. Another question from Brian. Season is over, and it's sad, but the Steelers finished strong. Do you think we will be in the top 10 offense and defense next year? I already said I think this group could be a top 10 offense next year. And on the defensive side, if they can get a few pieces of that puzzle, you know, if they draft a couple, like a defensive lineman who can play now, I'm not talking about a project. I'm talking a guy that can come in and play now, and he can learn from Cam Hayward, and he can spell some of these guys and replace maybe a Tyson Alualu. Then that's that's going to help them reach that goal. I feel more confident. This is sad. I feel more confident about the offense than I do the defense to finish in the top ten. If I'm being honest, Brian asked another one. I'm very excited for next season. The rookie class this year was great. What loss hurt the most this year to you? In my opinion, when I think about which loss hurt the most, there's three that come to mind. Week two at home versus New England. Week four at home versus the Jets. And then week 14, I think, was the home game they lost to the Ravens. Out of those, which hurts the most? I have to say it would be a toss-up between week two and week 14. And the reason being is that turnovers did them in. In week two, the Gunnar Olszewski fumble where it hits off his face mask, and then the fact that Akella Witherspoon cannot defend uh, Nelson Aguilar on that. It wasn't even that great of a throw. They lose that game because of that turnover. I still believe if Gunnar O doesn't fumble the football, they win that football game. And then in week 14, they lose 16-14, to 14 and Mitch Trubisky throws three crucial interceptions. Well, I don't know. You said you're excited for next season, and, and this year was great, but you make, make me bring up all these bad losses. Thanks a lot, Brian. Uh, let's go next few from Brian. Who is your top free agent target? I don't know. On, on the team or off the team? I don't know off the team. On the team, I think for me it's Terrell Edmonds. I think he's a top priority. Shortly after that is Larry Ogunjobi, if they can get him back. I think those are important. Uh, Brian asked two more. Agree or disagree? Kenny Pickett to George Pickens will be lethal for years to come. Agree. And lastly, who's your MVP on offense and defense for this year? On offense, I'm going to go with Najee Harris. The way he finished the year was was great. He's a captain. He's definitely kind of like finding his way in the leadership role. On defense, I actually would probably go – with who they picked, and that is Minka Fitzpatrick. He had a great season. Okay, let's go to Tank. Tank asked several questions. We'll get the first one here. Offseason is the worst season, so can we discuss there is no more preview and that the Triumphant Trio will be doing an after-party or Tales from 2 a.m. with Jeff, Bad, and Dave? So what Tank is referring to is the Steelers preview podcast on Thursday nights, myself, Dave Schofield, and Brian Davis. Sometimes in the offseason, we get sick and tired of trying to find unique angles and we decide to have some fun we will be doing that again tank don't worry uh next question from tank now the season's over let's discuss your extended car warranty <laughs> meaning do the Steelers sign warren to a three-year deal to keep him and the human stiff arm paired together they don't need to sign him to a contract just yet okay he's they, they still have control over his contract uh they do not need to sign him to a three-year deal right now i understand why people want to keep him but it's just not necessary He's a, uh, let's hear, uh, I think Tank asked another last one. Here we go. Ah, uh, there we go. The defense from the longest yard are Bobby Boucher and Coach Klein's offensive playbook. Um, 
I don't know. I'm not a big longest yard guy. I'll go with Bobby Boucher. There you go. All right, good questions, Tank. Let's go to uh, Jeff. Jeff Coons, my buddy from up north, the Great White North. He said, hi, Jeff. Greetings from Ride or Die Crew North. Thanks for the tremendous content all season long. Now that the draft bounty for Chase Claypool has been confirmed, where did he go wrong? He's a physical specimen with talent showcased in year one. Since then, he looks lost. I don't know what went wrong with Chase Claypool, but I'll tell you this. There are certain things that he did that he doesn't do well that after his rookie season, when people kind of started to figure out how the Steelers wanted to utilize him, kind of got exploited. He wasn't given the middle of the field as easily. They kept him on the outside. He is awful at the back shoulder and high-pointing the football. Watch what George Pickens does, and then go back and watch Chase Claypool. George Pickens makes it look so smooth, so effortless, and Chase Claypool made high-pointing a football look painful. Like, it actually hurt me watching it. And so I I just think that Chase Claypool also, and this is natural, you get traded away from the team that drafted you, and you're wondering, you know, I'm sure there's some confidence issues there right now. Do I still have it? Did I ever have it? Was year one a fluke? I mean, he was a second-round draft pick. There's a lot of expectations with that. And so, I don't know. He does look lost. I feel bad for the guy. I don't look at Chase Claypool as a failure. I I look at him as a phenomenal chess piece that Omar Khan moved perfectly against the to the Chicago Bears. It's 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 tough. It is. Tyler asked a question. Hey Jeff, at the start of next season, could you see the Steelers having another battle for the starting quarterback position, assuming Mitch stays, or will Pickett be the day one starter? Also, what was your favorite moment of this past season? Okay, Tyler. First question. uh, I don't think there's a quarterback battle. Mike Tomlin said it on Monday. Kenny Pickett, because they asked, is Kenny Pickett the franchise quarterback? He said, look, you all put these labels on people. We don't. He's the starting quarterback. He is our quarterback. He is the number one QB1. And that's something that I don't think there's any other debate about it. He's the guy. He's going to be the guy until he shows that he can't be the guy. And everything that he showed this year to the Steelers, to the fan base, to the ownership, is that he can be that guy. As for my favorite moment of this past season, that is a toss-up between the Raiders' last-minute win and the Ravens' last-minute win. And because I live in Maryland, because it was a division win, but, man, that Raiders game with Franco, you got to win that game in the cold I can't pick. It's both of them. Those were the best moments of the season for me. Uh, if I had to go away from those game-winning moments, I would probably say one of many, one of Najee Harris's many debilitating stiff arms that were just so much fun to watch. Good question, Tyler. Corey Eckenroth asks a couple. First, the NFL has released next season's opponents for the Steelers. Which game outside the division are you looking forward to? For me, it'll be Jacksonville. They always play Pittsburgh tough and started playing better ball under Peterson last season. Hashtag Ryder Dye Crew. So for me, uh, the Steelers are paired with the NFC North. So they're actually going to be hosting the Green Bay Packers. I always think that's a legendary matchup. And uh, that's something for me. I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. I love the, the Packers. That's the game for me that uh, I'm looking forward to for sure outside of the division. Another one from Corey. Jeff, you're sitting there at the draft next to Tomlin. The Steelers are on the clock in round one. You lean over to Tomlin and whisper which of these three names. Number one, 
Joey Porter Jr., cornerback, Penn State. Number two, Peter Skaronsky, offensive tackle, Northwestern. Or three, Brian Brees, defensive tackle, Clemson. If I'm whispering to Tomlin, it is the defensive tackle from Clemson. I don't know anything about this guy, but I know that I want to fortify the defensive front. You're going to lose Tyson Alawalu. There's a chance you lose Larry Ogunjobi. You got to re-fortify that front. That's what I want. That's what I want to see. Okay, uh, Corey has another one. The Steelers start started out as a dumpster fire on offense and by season's end became a run-first unit no one could stop. Pat Meyer worked absolute magic with the line. Canada got the offense to score more than 20. Matt Canada get another year or rip the Band-Aid off. Hashtag Ride or Die Crew. I'm, I, people kind of, when they, when they heard that Kenny Pickett could potentially have a say in the outcome of Matt Canada, everyone's like, this is ridiculous. I don't think it's ridiculous. I actually think that it's something that the Steelers should do. And if, if Kenny Pickett's a guy, which I already said he is, and Mike Tomlin reiterated that on Monday, then you bring him in and say, look, if you're comfortable with this guy and you think that the Steeler, that you think that the, he could be the coordinator of the future, then we'll keep him. But that's only if Art Rooney, Omar Khan, Andy Weedle, and Mike Tomlin all agree that they're willing to even have that conversation. Because those four individuals I just named could say, look, it's just not there. It's too mediocre. It's too average. We got to go. Find a new, and they rip the Band-Aid off. And they don't even talk to Kenny. Because Kenny's a second-year quarterback. And they want to make sure that his second year started with someone new that they like better. It's a possibility. We'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. All right, next question here. Let's go to Zach Farnsworth. He says, I don't know if Zach Gentry is a free agent this offseason or not. He is. But if he is, do you see the team re-signing him now that Connor Hayward has shown flashes? I know Pat and Zach are close. Does that factor in? I'm sure that Pat will do his diligence within the organization and try and keep his buddy there. But it's going to come down to numbers. If he's looking for a huge deal, then, or if he gets a huge deal from someone, and you think that he, everyone compares him to Matt Spath. Either Pat Fryermuth is Heath, Zach Gentry is, is Matt Spath. And people forget Matt Spath left. He went to Chicago, and he got a big deal, and the Steelers couldn't match it. If that happens, then Zach Gentry's gone. If Zach Gentry does not have much of a market, the Steelers might get him on the cheap, but I don't think they're going to break the bank to bring him back when you have Connor Hayward waiting in the wings. Cheeseball 10, what should expectations be like for Calvin Austin this upcoming season? The, the answer is there are no expectations. We haven't seen this guy play football outside of training camp. I need to see him play an actual game. I don't want this guy reeking of Senquez Golson anymore. So until I see him play, even in a preseason game, I have zero expectations for him. But that's just me. It's my opinion. Nick asked Jeff, what's up? What's up, Nick? Happy offseason. We were always hearing in years past about how much the team will be so up against the salary cap going into the offseason. With the cap guru Khan at the helm, does he make uncharacteristic splashes in free agency? The answer to your question, Nick, is that I don't know and no one knows. No one knows how Omar Khan is going to approach this, but I, I do know one thing. When Omar Khan signs someone to a contract, he's going to make it friendly for the Steelers. For a good example, Chooks for everyone freaked out with that three-year deal that he got last year. Everyone remember that deal? And then when you looked at the details when they were released, it was really a one-year prove-it deal. Prove it one year, and you'll get those two big years afterwards. That's what you can expect. 
He's a smart guy. He knows how to manipulate the dollars. I have no doubt about that. But as for the splashes, we'll see. Let's wait and see. Eamon Singh asked two questions. Will you be continuing to interview former Steeler players on the podcast? If so, can we expect a Big Ben interview? I'm going to do my damnedest to get some former players on this podcast. Last year, I was close to having Chad Brown on. I, we just could not connect. It seemed like he every time I was responding to him, he would take forever to get back. We're going to see what we can do. I'd love to have Cordell Stewart on. Um, current players, I was going to try to get Alex Highsmith uh, last season. Uh, couldn't work out details trying to get him this offseason. Just stay tuned. That's all I got to say. The Monday morning conversation is returning. You just got to stay tuned. Next one from Eamon. Were there any plays this past season where Kenny Pickett's hand size was a liability? I don't recall any fumbles, etc., which seem to suggest hand size may no longer be a big deal for quarterbacks in the NFL. No, I, I don't think. And if there was a game where you would think it would have been exposed, it would have been against the Raiders in the bitter cold and the wind in Pittsburgh, and it wasn't. People might say it's because he wear, wears gloves. Okay, who cares? Does it hurt him? No, it clearly doesn't, so I don't think so, but that's a good question. I'm, I'm sorry, I missed one more from Eamon. If they do fire Canada, who should be the offensive coordinator? My vote would be for the Lions OC, who might be on the market. They had a great season on offense. I honestly don't know offensive coordinators well enough to even give a suggestion, so my apologies, Eamon. RJ asked a question. I will say I'm excited for the draft after the Bears get the first pick now. Do we finally draft a shut-down cornerback or go offensive line or defensive line? It will be interesting to see what Omar Khan does. It will be interesting, and I think that out of those three positions you just named, defensive line, offensive line, and cornerback, they could go round one, first pick of round two, and then they're picking in, in round two. That would be three picks. They could easily hit all three of those picks and get some really good value. Keep your eyes out for that. Uh, Loft View Mike says, compare last year's playoff team to this year's second half team. Could this year's second half team make some noise, made some noise in the playoffs this year? I do think they could have made some noise last year. And they got in, but the offense was just dreadful. And everyone just seemed to know what was coming. Um, in this season, everyone, everything started out the same when Kenny Pickett took over. All the throws were quick. They were to the outside. But now, that if you notice in the last few weeks, Kenny Pickett started to attack the middle of the field. That opened up so much, and they ran the ball so much better this year than last year. The defense was stopping the run better, taking the ball away. I think this this year's team definitely could have done more damage. Absolutely. Kyle asks, did the Steelers win seven out of the last nine games and get into the playoff scenarios because Canada got better, or did they win in despite of Canada with players simply making plays? I think it's a little bit of both. I, I lean on what the players say. You know, the players were the ones, Najee Harris especially. He came out and said, look, everyone's ripping this guy. We got to go out and, and execute the plays. He said everyone's talking about, oh, he calls the same plays. He said everyone calls the same plays. That's what all coordinators do at every level. So uh, I'm going to go with the fact that the players were making plays, and I do think Canada got better. He got more comfortable. Is it enough for him to come back? I don't know. We'll see. Reverend Johnny Utah says, how much blame can we put on Canada for the offensive struggles, and will he ever have more creativity than a jet motion guy on every play? The jet motion has a lot of value. I want to put that out there first. But still, um, I think Canada gets some blame for some of the lack of creativity. But other than the, the offensive struggles, though, you know, is it his fault if 
Kevin Dotson on a 45-yard screen pass that was for one set up beautifully, and they had blockers, and it would have been a huge play, that Kevin Dotson runs 10 yards downfield before the ball's even thrown, and that's not on the play caller. That's that's on the player. Is it his fault that Deontay Johnson leads the league, I think, in pre-snap penalties for the wide receiver position? That's not the play caller's fault. Let's keep this down the middle here, folks. Brandon Colburn says, is DeMonte KZ going to be a free agent this offseason? He is. And if so, what is the likelihood that the Steelers bring him back? I, I don't know. I think they have to either bring back Edmonds or KZ, and if I had to choose, I'm going to bring back Edmonds. If I could bring them both back, I would. I just don't think it's going to happen. Lou Rita, happy New Year, Jeff, to you and your family. Same to you, Lou. With Steelers cornerback or linebacker coach Brian Flores now getting offers from other teams, including the Browns for defensive coordinator, do you not promote him to D.C. if he is worthy of it and demote or release Terrell Austin? How would you rate Austin versus Flores? It's tough for me to say that from the outside. Yeah, I have no clue you know, with the defensive turnaround, with the defensive creativity. I have no idea how much of that was Tomlin, how much of that was Austin, how much of that was Flores. Only if you're in that building, in those meetings, do you know the answer to that question. So for me, I look at this, and yeah, I don't promote him just automatically. If the Steelers are unhappy with Terrell Austin, then I maybe promote him, but I don't know if that's the way they're going to go. Aiden Blaine says, hey, Jeff, if the Steelers don't re-sign Gentry, do you think they should bring in another tight end via the draft or free agency, or could they feel comfortable with Connor Hayward as their number two. I think they could feel comfortable with Connor Hayward. I think they would bring in someone, think of like a Zach Raider, someone who's more of a blocker. They would bring in a third tight end. They're not going to go into the season with just two, and but it's got to be the right type of guy. Amendez says, do the Steelers keep their DC and OC for next season? That's defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator. If I'm a betting man, I'm saying yes. Tank asked another one, missed it, sorry. He said, if they could only keep five of the free agents, who would you target first? I kind of answered this already. I'm going to say Edmonds first, Ogunjobi second. Um, I'm going to go maybe KZ third or no. Let's go Edmonds, Ogunjobi, Sutton, KZ, and I'm sure I'm missing someone, but I'll go Gentry next. Yeah, there you go. Uh, JJB says Chris Farley or John Candy. This is tough because I love Tommy boy. Chris Farley is, I watched SNL when he was there. I live in a van down by the river. Um, he was just tremendous, but I do love John Candy. Uh, uncle Buck was one of my, when I was a kid, I loved watching that movie. Um, just good stuff. I'll go with Chris Farley. He's more my generation to be honest. JT asks, why has coach T not fired Canada? And why does he say he got better over the season? Well, I mean, JT, to be honest, he said he got better because the offense got better as the season progressed. And if the offense is getting better, typically you say, man, that D, the offensive coordinator who is calling the plays is a part of that. Maybe not all of it, but he's a part of it. So that's why he said that he's gotten better. Uh, as for why he hasn't fired him, I, there's layers to this thing, man. I, got, I don't think it's just as knee-jerk as some people want it to be. So, But you know what? I know I know there's angst there with the Steeler fan base and Matt Canada, and it's going to play itself out one way or the other. All right, folks, that does it for me. Thank you all very much for the questions. It, it felt good to get a lot of questions back. I know you all are curious about a lot of stuff that happens with, with the offseason. Just know we're going to be here. I am especially, but all of us are behind the steel curtain are going to be here with you every step of the way, so make sure you stay tuned for all that. I'll be back on Friday. Jeremy Jerome Betts will be joining me. We'll talk about the playoffs coming up this weekend, as well as a bunch of other Steelers stuff 
as well as my typical Friday show. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Friday. Peace.